0: morning. When an individual repents, we know that there is a change of direction. You know, Repent from sin, repent from the direction we're going, repent from an old way of life. And what, what happens is a person repents and they begin to move toward God. There's a change of direction. Now, in the Bible, you see this word backsliding, or it means to apostatize or apostasy, and it means to turn away. So there is two different directions that we see. Uh, you can see this with people in the world who have turned away, those who have maybe walked with the Lord for a period of time, and they've begin to backslide, or they're in a backslidden state. They they move in a different way. There's a turning away from God instead, instead of turning to God. And Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 2, your own wickedness will correct you, and your backslidings will rebuke you. And then another quote from Jeremiah, it says, how long will thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? And He prophesied to Judah, this was after the fall of Israel, they should have learned and saw the judgment that God brought upon Israel uh, by the Assyrians taking them to captivity. But they continued in their immorality. And in Judah, they continued in their idolatry. And an idol is an object worship that's what an idol is it's something that also can be taken and made into a God so an individual can take something and they put that before God in their heart and that thing becomes an idol it may not be viewed as an idol it may not be seen by the individual as an idol but if it's in a certain place in the heart before God Uh, that thing becomes an idol, and then you see they devote their time and devotion actually to it. So Israel and Judah did not have faith toward God, and we see even the Israelites that came out of Egypt, it says in Hebrews, that they did not enter in because of unbelief. So there was no reliance upon God in their life. And what I want to talk about this morning is overcoming Uh, the Christian does not have to be overcome you myself whomever if a Christian wants to walk with God they do not have to be overcome now turn to Matthew in John it says And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And so there is to be in our heart a reliance upon God, unlike the Israelites. There is to be a a conviction uh, in believing God. There, There is to be a confidence in the Lord. And so... If we are to have victory as a Christian, we must have faith toward God or faith in God. Not necessarily in what he does, although his faith many times is proven to us in that way. But but there is to be this faith in him alone, a faith in who he is, a faith in the character of Christ. Uh, that he is who he says he is, he can do what he says he, he can do, and that which he has, he can, he can bring gifts and gift men, gift Christians. Now, as I said, it says, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And so I was thinking about this word overcome, and the first question that came into my mind was, overcome what? And so as I begin to look at this word in various places in the scriptures, there are at least three main areas that are talked about by the apostles that we as Christians are to overcome in these areas. And the first one is the devil. In Matthew 13... verse 19. Now this is talking about the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. So there is no understanding, there is no awareness of or there is no perception that God is the one who has sown this seed. Now, the first time I heard the gospel message, the first time, somehow I was able to determine or to distinguish between what I had been hearing in the religion that I was in And what I just heard, this word that was being spoken, these scriptures that were being quoted uh, by a Christian. And right away, uh, I I was able to discern that, and my ears, so to speak, perked up. Now, I did not understand what was going on. I didn't quite understand, you know, what, what, what was what. But I did know that there was a difference between what I had heard to that point and what I was hearing at that time. So the sower comes, the Son of God, uh, through an individual, and he will sow seed, and the seed will come and will go into the heart. As it says here, uh, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So the word is sown in the heart, and now certain things must be, take place in order for that to root, and of course, the the soil condition of the heart is what's the, the key here, but the point is that there was no understanding, there was no perception, and the evil one, the devil, came and took away that which was placed in the heart, and initially, I was talking about initial salvation, but that takes place all the time, even with Christians now who you know been walking with the Lord for some time, where the Lord can still sow. See, he's still the sower. He's the sower initially into your heart and life, and he's the sower continually. And he sows into the heart. And the enemy wants to take that seed and just you know, snatch it, take it out. You know, so it has no effect upon uh, that individual and, of course, that happens because sometimes the heart is not as soft. The, the ground is not tilled. Maybe the, uh, the elements have hardened the soil. And now when the word comes, that seed's put there and then it doesn't produce. And the, the devil's always right there to take away something that the Lord wants to sow in a person's heart. And then it says in, in 1 John He says, I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. You have conquered the wicked one. Um, And the context here uh, is that individual or those individuals who responded to the gospel and are progressing and they're walking with God and they have his will and purpose in in mind or in front of them. And so he says, you have overcome uh, the wicked one. So overcoming here, as I said, there's various areas. The first one that we just looked at now was the devil. Another thing I found with this word was we are to overcome false prophets and false teachers. Now let's look at a couple of those verses. Uh, 1 John 4. The, the thing about overcoming a false teacher prophet or a false teacher, is that the individual must uh, be hearing and seeing in order for them to be able to uh, understand or perceive that what is being said, or done for that matter, but in particular, what is being said is from the Lord or from some other source. See, that is why it's so important to gather together uh, at church, to gather together among believers, um, that the Holy Spirit can flow and move. Because, see, you'll be able to, hopefully, after you sit in that environment for some time, you will be able to perceive sometimes the moving of the Spirit. You you should be able to see certain things and how he's moving in, in a service. And, and so when a false prophet or a false teacher comes, because you have been attuned to the Spirit of God, uh, now you can hear or you can see or you can perceive that something just isn't right. And there was an individual that was in the church some years ago, and I used to sit and, and listen, and some of the words were fine, but in my spirit, something wasn't right, and I knew it, so I was just watching and watching, and then the Lord showed me in a dream what was going on. And so, you know, sometimes we can't put our finger on something, but still, see, we are to overcome in that particular thing. I mean, the Lord didn't take false prophets out of the church, false teachers out of the church, and by the way, I think there are more false teachers in the church today than Christians realize. It's just that they don't perceive. They accept anything, any doctrine, anything that's said because a person's behind a pulpit. That's not the, the authority by which you accept or reject something. You know, if the spirit of God is to be moving in your life that you're able to, to see and perceive things. And so he says that, In 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Now, who's the them? Who's the them? The them, go back in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets. So he's equating here, testing of the spirits, he's equating that to the false prophets. Uh, because many false prophets have gone out into the world and into the church. And so he says here in verse 4, uh, you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So that whenever you know we come to Christ, the Spirit of Christ comes into us. And then hopefully as we walk on, We receive the infilling of the Spirit so that we are able to discern, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying, apart from the Scriptures. Now, of course, the Scriptures can teach us and and help us discern things. But in certain um, realms or certain uh, places, certain uh, groups, you know, you will, will have to have something more uh, within you to be able to discern certain things. And so he goes on here and he talks about overcoming. Uh, in, and I'll read this, uh, I'll read it from two translations. I have one in my notes and I want to turn there. This is in Second Peter, you don't have to turn there. But this is, this is interesting. Nineteen. While they promised them liberty, and, and this is again speaking. Let me see here. Uh, verse, in verse uh, one, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. And, I, and he's mentioned two groups here. He's mentioning false prophets and false teachers. Basically, what's they being, what's being said, what they're saying, you know, same thing. But in verse nineteen, he says. But while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Another translation says, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of destructive habits. For a person is a slave, and this is what I want to show you here. For a person is a slave of anything... ...that has conquered him or anything that has overcome him. So it, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, we can be overcome by, you know, we always think, you know, the devil, the world and all that. But we can be overcome by some habit or some pleasure. Uh, now, you see, myself, I like to have a good cup of coffee. You know, a nice double shot of espresso with some steamed soy milk. Ooh, it's really good. Some vanilla, and I drink that. But see, I really like that a lot. And I can't say that about a whole lot of things, but I like that. And every once in a while, I'll take that thing and I'll put it aside and I won't have it for that day. To make sure that that is not overcoming me. Now, that may sound kind of crazy and strange. But see, we can be overcome by just about anything. So let me read this again. For a person is a slave of anything that has overcome him. And and I don't believe he's talking necessarily about the devil, although, of course, that applies. He says anything, anything. So, you know, a person can be overcome with the desire to go on a cruise or to go to the ocean. And I was reading this morning, uh, I think it was in Revelation, I don't remember where it was. But the Lord says, at a point in time, there's not going to be a sea. All the people that like to go to the ocean, to the sea, there's not going to be a sea then. Probably, you know, the time when you you have the New Jerusalem and you know, the church and all that. It's not going to be the sea, as much as people like the sea. And so people can be overcome with anything. Anything that overcomes you, you become a slave to. And then you are not overcoming it, it's overcoming you. And then, of course, in 1 John 2, you have this said in various places in the Scripture, about overcoming the world in 1 John 2 uh, verse 16 for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world and so you see this when Jesus is taken into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil uh, where the enemy tempts him with the lust of the flesh. In other words, make make these stones bread. The lust of the eyes. All these kingdoms here I will give you. And then the pride of life. Is that what it says? There, lust of the flesh. Yeah, the pride of life. And then the pride of life. We see um, uh, where he says takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple and says, if you you know jump off, you, you, you said the word says you will not dash your feet against the rock. So the Lord dealt with the world, this particular uh, attack or this particular means by which the enemy wanted to get at him, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And, And Jesus overcame in those three areas. And right after that, you'll see some verses later, Jesus then begins his earthly ministry, not until this this uh, whole circumstance, this scene uh, in the wilderness, uh, has to be. Ta- this has to take place first, and then Jesus goes into his ministry. You and I will be tested; we will be tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All these are not from the Father; they are from the world, and we must, as Jesus did, overcome in these various areas, if we are to continue in you know, the way of God and if we are to continue to overcome. See, because if we are overcome, and what I mean is you know, we're turning away and we're overcome, then we will have great difficulty overcoming in the next thing that comes. And I believe that is it says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So if, if we have a heart that is waiting upon the Lord, so let's say you're being tempted in a certain area, you're know, being tempted to, to leave the Lord, to leave the purpose of God. You're being tempted to sin, you know, to, to commit adultery, whatever it may be. Uh, if, if that is, is occurring, and we are waiting upon the Lord, I believe He will renew our strength or He will strengthen us so that we will be able to overcome in the particular circumstance and situation that we find ourselves in. So to overcome, there is to be in the heart, uh, I believe, a desire to please the Lord. If we have a desire to please the Lord and we turn away from sin, and we're not going to to decide to dabble in sin, then I believe that we can overcome, and we can continually overcome. Now, in uh, Romans, says, do not be overcome by evil, but uh, overcome evil evil with good. How will you do that? How are you going to overcome evil? Evil with good. Well, see, the Lord will will place things in your heart and your life. He will start to place the character of Christ in you. So that when evil comes, your reaction to it will not be based on your flesh or how you reacted to that thing before, but now you will react to it according to a different principle or according to a different character, that which the Lord has placed in you. So, so maybe at one point someone gave you a hard time, and years ago you would you know, be right in their face and want to fight and you know, rumble and what have you. And now some years later, because the Lord has done a work in you and has put certain things in you of his character, that the same situation, maybe even more intense, may come and... You can deal with it in a correct way, and you're not lashing out. You're not you know, reacting the way you used to before, and now you can become an overcomer because you overcome evil with the good, not your good, but the good that Christ has put in you of him. So that's, I believe that's how that works. Now, in 1 John 3... And I'll read another verse from uh, John. It says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And and I was thinking, how did the Lord overcome the world? Why was he so successful? Because he was God and he... uh, took his godly character and overcome. No, he became a man. But one of the key things that you see with the Lord is that he led a sinless life. And so I believe that if if we live, and of course, we can't live a, a sinless life. We may make mistakes. We may sin. But see, we don't have to sin. Some people teach that you have to sin every day. But I don't see that in the Scriptures. And in in 1 John, it says that, you know, you aren't to sin. You don't have to sin. Be ye holy, for I am holy. So the Lord is desiring that we move into this holiness and that we sin not. Now, in um, 1 John 3... Verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin. Did you hear that? Whoever is born of God does not sin for his seed. The Lord's seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, let me read this from the Amplified. No one born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For God's nature uh, abides in him. So you were birthed from above and you have the nature of the Lord, of God. And so now because of that birth, you, myself, any Christian, should not practice sin. See, we don't have to practice sin. We don't have to. And so if you want to be successful as far as overcoming, and let's not minimize the severity of our circumstances sometimes that put a lot of pressure on us. Everybody, I don't care who you are here, everyone's in a circumstance, and the circumstance can put pressure on you to react instead of acting. See, we many times react instead of you know, looking to the Lord and acting. And so we may, may go in a direction and sin. But I'm telling you, if, if you want to overcome, you turn away from sin, and you can say, well, hey, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to turn in that direction. I want to please the Lord, and I'm going to walk with Him. And this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. And so within us, because there's this desire to please God, and then there's a turning away from sin, the Lord will give you what you need to overcome in the situation or circumstance you may find yourself in. So I don't believe that the formula is that difficult to understand. I don't believe that it's that difficult, if you understand what I'm saying, to overcome. It's that many times Christians, they take a certain direction in their life and then they're overcome with this or that or the other thing. And then they're they're cast down and, you know, their hearts are just become callous, you know, if you're overcome with something and and you're not depending on the Lord, and you're not walking with him, what can take place is what you see with the sower. There becomes a a heart that becomes a little callous. And now the word cannot go in there and, and lodge in there and produce what the Spirit of God once produced. And so the safeguard against... A callous heart is to allow uh, this breaking of the fallow ground. Break up the fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Do you know what fallow ground is? Fallow ground is freshly plowed ground, not like a rototiller. (laughs) A plow where they plow through the dirt, and it pushes the dirt, and you have all these big clods of dirt okay, break up the fallow ground or the big clods of dirt, and he goes on, he says, for it is time to seek the Lord. So the sowing there, for it to be effective like the Lord wants, there must be a plowing through my heart, through your heart, and then the Spirit of God comes and breaks up those clods, so there's no callous area, there's no hard areas there, it's all being smoothed out so that now it becomes very, very receptive to whatever seed now can be sown in that particular place. Now, let's turn to the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation, the word overcome is used... I believe in that book probably more than any other place in the Bible. Let me get a piece of chalk here. There are three things. I don't know if you're aware of this. There's three things that the Lord says to All seven churches in Revelation, one of them deals with overcoming, okay? Actually, he says to each of them, I know your works. He says to each of them, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And then the third thing he says to every church is dealing with overcoming. Three things. And to me, when I look at that, that means that those three things, and I'm probably going to teach on that in the future here, are extremely important. So in the book of Revelation, he uses this word, overcometh. Or in the New King James, it says, "overcome." This is a present. This is a present active participle. In every single spot where it's used in, in revelation that I found, dealing with the churches and in revelation 21 where you see the bride this word overcometh is present act of partial so so this is how how it is i probably should read this okay to him that overcomes or him that overcometh i will give okay the, the one who is presently continually overcoming See, so that's a, it's a present thing that is to be moving in your life. An active voice means that the subject performs the action, some action. So, so that, that's dealing now with the churches, or you could say the pastors of the churches, or, or both. Okay, they are to be, the, the pastors and the people, presently, Continually overcoming. So now this, we're going back now to you know having a desire to please God and not sinning, and and seeking Him, having a heart that seeks Him. Okay, and you you go into a circumstance. Now we all are the same. You know that, right? We're made of the same stuff. We all have a. Um, Put it this way, we all have residuals from the carnal nature that we should be moving further and further away from any of that influence. But see, we are to presently, continually overcome. So, so in order for that to occur constantly, there must be in the heart and life of the believer faith toward God. And a desire for him, to please him, and just a desire for him. See, because if you have a desire for the Lord, he will equip you. He will give you what you need to presently, continually overcome. See, so you might not be in a bad situation that you need to overcome something in that right now. But still, in your heart, you know, you're presently, continually. You're ready Whatever comes, you know, and the Lord will will see to it that if you're going to walk with him and you're going to desire him, that you will have what you need to overcome in whatever situation you find yourself in. See, sometimes we don't believe that. We look at our, our shortcomings, we look at our faults, you know, we look at our lack of maybe even knowing scriptures or where they are in the Bible. We look at all that instead of looking to the Lord, because greater is he that is in you, see? And who is it that is in you? See, it's him. So if, if we have the Lord in front of us, like the psalmist says, I've always put the Lord before me, then he will do something in us to where we can presently, continually and that's not to say that we, we may never fail. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that this is the way he sets this thing up. And that's what he says to all the churches. Now, in um, Revelation 2.7. To him who overcomes. Now, the, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it like this. He that presently and continually overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. So <clears throat> this feeding, he's talking about feeding. When he says the tree of life, he's talking about a feeding from the life of God. <clears throat> that which the Lord brings uh, to the individual to help them to, to do whatever. To, to partake and eat of the tree of life, specifically he says, you must presently continually overcome. So if a Christian is not presently continually overcoming, then they are not getting the proper feeding that they need. You understand that. Understand what I'm saying? In Revelation 2:11, He who overcomes presently, continually, shall not be hurt by the second death. And, and that's dealing with hell and separation, um, permanent separation from God or whatever. So th- there is to be something here. I guess there's some injury that can take place there, not necessarily uh, whatever. Verse 26. Uh. Oh, no, verse 17. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. So he's going to give true the true spiritual food. Now, we don't have time, but in um, Kings or Chronicles, I believe it's Chronicles, whenever... The Assyrians, I believe it was, were coming into, I'm not sure about this, but I think that it was King Josiah who took the ark, and you know one of the things that was in the ark was the manna, and they took that so that the, 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 um, their conquerors would not get a hold of the ark. They took it and they hid it. And Jesus kind of uses that phraseology, dealing with the hidden manna, but he's talking about, see, that's something that they were familiar with, what had happened, but he's talking about a different hidden manna. He's talking about the manna from heaven, the manna that God gives, the feeding that God gives. So he says here, to him that overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna for them to eat. So That's two scriptures now that show that for us to have the spiritual feeding that we need, there must be overcoming in our life, or we're going to lack. Some Christians lack, and they're not being fed because there's there's a heart that's overcoming. In Revelation 3, 5, (coughs) excuse me. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So, uh, he that overcometh shall be clothed in white garment. And that's dealing, I believe, with with purity. Being clothed in white garment is dealing with the purity of the individual. So, as you know, in... James, it says that the, the trying of your faith produces patience it says, or, or endurance. So many times we look at different circumstances that we're in, and we don't think much benefit comes out from them. But in this instance, he says that he would, if you overcome, that he would provide these white garments, or there would be a purity there that would be be a result of overcoming. And then in Revelation 3.12 says, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. So you'll be a part of something that people many times aren't even aware of. In Revelation 3.21, And I will grant him to sit. This is the one who overcomes. I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Now, I have no idea. (laughs) You know, now, how can millions and millions and millions of Christians in the world who overcome be seated upon the throne? Uh, He says, that's what he says. He says, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So so we always relate to three dimensions, you know, length, width, and height. Everything is three-dimensional, and that's how we see things. That's how we relate to things in this world. Well, i got news for you. Dealing with the throne of God and with heaven, the three-dimensional thing is a very limited uh, way of looking at it, And things that are done in spirit are beyond the bounds of those dimensions. And somehow, some way, uh, those that overcome will be seated. Will be seated. Now, I I don't know if that means actual sitting or a seating as far as a, a spirit you're tied in spirit so much so that you are seated there. I, I don't know, I don't know, but to to be seated on a throne in any I mean, even thinking about it, that's kind of that's way out there as far as I'm concerned. We we can't relate to that, but that's what Jesus said. Whatever that is, he says that's for those who overcome. Uh, and then Revelation 21. Verse 7. Excuse me. Now the the context here is dealing with the New Jerusalem. Um, uh, Verse 2, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So that's the setting here. And in even after that, verse 9, you see him talking about the bride. But he says in verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And if you look the word all things up, it's really meaning these things. And these things pertaining to this context is dealing with the bride. So those that overcome are going to inherit these things dealing here with the this bride adorned for her husband, whatever that is, Um, to qualify, as I see it, in that particular setting, this also is a present active participle, presently, continually overcoming. So that, that overcoming in the Christian's life, in your life, will place you in spiritual places you have no idea and will bring you into spiritual places many many times that Christians don't have any idea. But the point is this, that God can do in your life in such a way that you can overcome what you're in or what you're dealing with. Now, I like this. Turn to one John. I'm just going to read a verse from... 1 John 4. I'm going to read a verse from 1 Chronicles. Because I believe here that David, when you read some of the things in Psalms that David writes, you know, he's speaking out from his experience. You know, when he says what he says here, he's speaking out from life experience what he has seen and what he has gone through for example, dealing with Saul, chasing him all over the country, trying to kill him. And so <clears throat> David has learned many different things in these circumstances that are difficult. See, we think that because a circumstance is difficult, that maybe a Christian isn't you know, walking with the Lord. Well, David was in difficult circumstances, and he was walking close with the Lord. So you know, the difficulty of a circumstance does not necessarily mean... A person is not serving the Lord. And so David says this. He says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. And see, I believe that was what David was doing presently, continually in his heart. He was seeking the Lord. Even when Saul was persecuting him, even when Saul was you know, trying to hunt him down and kill him, He was presently, continually seeking the Lord, and he was overcoming. He was an overcomer. And so he has these words of advice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. And that was internal. David wasn't in the synagogue every day, you know, seeking the Lord, you see. He wasn't there. He was running for his life. He was moving different places in the country, but see, internally, and this is where it must take place, internally, he was seeking the Lord. And in 1 John 4, we, we read this before. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And then in chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God. Now, that's that's a passive verb, born, passive verb. In, in other words, the individual, the subject, receives the action. So there you are, you're the subject. And the Lord is going to do something in your life. See, you you are receiving the action. That's a passive voice. So something is born, and I'm not talking about... Being born again. Initially, you're born again, yes. But John's not dealing with that when he's talking about this. He's talking about something being born in in a person for whatever is born of God. So, whenever... Let me give you an example. So, let's say you have this issue with anger. And you've had that issue all your life. And so, you come to Christ... And that thing is still there. And you take it before the Lord and you, you want the Lord to deal with it. But sometimes a situation sets you off, you know, like, like a fire when you stick a match. So you're looking to the Lord, but that particular thing has not changed yet in your life. And so at a point in time, the Spirit of God will change a person who had anger issues into a person that no longer has anger issues and may be very gentle toward people. So what has happened? Well, something by the Spirit of God was born in them, and that birth overcomes the world. That overcomes the way they reacted before to those in the world or whatever. That whosoever or whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he who presently, continually... uh, Listen to this. Read this, and you might want to underline this in your Bible and make a note of this. Who is he who presently, continually overcomes the world, but he who presently, continually believes? (laughs) Do you know the word believe? In the New Testament, most of the time, I don't know, maybe all the time, I don't know, but most of the time when, when I've looked at that word, believe, it means presently, continually. It doesn't mean a belief that you believed back when. It means it's its something that's active. It's presently, continually believing. Okay. Who is, who is he who is presently, continually overcoming? The world. The world. The world. But he who presently continually believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the one in whom you are receiving this hidden manna. Jesus is the one who is giving to the individual, to you, to whomever, what is needed in the situation. See, so so all the provision for you to overcome is given. All the provision all you need to do is walk with the Lord. You don't have to worry about what's going to come, what you're in, you walk with Him. You'll overcome. Don't think you won't. You have a desire to please God, and I believe that most everyone here, if not everyone, has a desire to please the Lord. And see, that very desire will help you and will give you what you need, of course, by the Lord, to overcome. And then I'll read a verse in in Romans and the wonder Paul says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter in the eyes of the world. You know, he, he has no life. She has no life. That's what they say. That's what they say about it. They've said it about me. You no know life. You have, you have no life. What do you do? You go to church, you know. What do you do? I don't do anything. What are, I don't know. What do I do? I don't do much of anything that everybody else does. I mean, well, you're counted as a sheep to the slaughter. The Lord has led you that way, and you're quite content with it. Because, see, their thinking is, is, is the world. They're, they're out there. They don't, you know, they don't see things the same. Yet... I like this. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us through him. So it all goes back to Jesus, of course. So God has given us all that we need, all that we need. If we walk with him, you know, we can overcome. We can overcome.